Hello, and thank you for joining us with Mr. Carlson's class, the Most Amazing Books podcast. At this podcast, we'll be reading children's books to your kids from our 7th and 8th grade drama students. We hope you enjoy, and as always, all credit is given to our authors of these amazing books. Thank you. Have a great day. Hi, my name is Boots, and today I'm reading Timmy the West Coast Hug by Jeremy Moray, illustrated by Dee Gale. It was a cold, clear morning in March. Timmy the Tug was snoozing quietly at his mooring in False Creek, right in the middle of Vancouver. Suddenly, he was woken up by a loud squawk. It was his friend Simon the Seagull who lived under Granville Bridge. Wake up, Timmy, called Simon. Oh, hey, what did you make that noise for? Timmy jumped and said, little ripples scudding across the water. Just wanted to wake, wake you up, laughed Simon. Oh, well, I expect Captain Jones will be here soon to start work, Timmy sighed. Captain Jones was Timmy's owner. He looked after Timmy and drove him around. He was a kind, smiling man with a loud voice and lots of whiskers. He smoked a pipe and always wore an old pea cap. Here he comes now, called Simon as he flew around in a circle above Timmy, and he's got Matilda with him. I think I'll go off and have some breakfast. He flew away towards the big orange sun that was coming up over the mountains. Bye-bye, Simon, Timmy called. See you in the bay. Timmy smiled and bobbed up and down gently as Captain Jones and Matilda climbed onto his deck. Matilda was a fat gray cat with big green eyes. She went everywhere with Captain Jones. He and Timmy had rescued her when she had fallen off an Australian ship in the English Bay two years ago. She was a very mischievous cat. Hello, Timmy, boomed Captain Jones. It's time to get you warmed up. Oh, good, said Timmy. I'm freezing. Captain Jones hummed to himself as he carried his kit bag into one of the cabins. Behind his wheelhouse, Timmy had two cabins. One had two bunks in it where the crew would rest. The other cabin, called the galley, had a stove and a table with seats around it. Also, there was a small storeroom, which was next to the most important room of all, Timmy's engine room. It was so important that it had a special storm-proof door. This was to make sure that no water could get near Timmy's engines if he was sailing through the rough seas. Captain Jones came out of the cabin. He was wearing his sea boots and bright yellow oilskins over his thick blue sweater and, of course, his old peak cap. I hope you're ready for work today, Timmy, he called. He climbed up into the wheelhouse. We're, we're going to haul a log boom from Gambier Island all the way up to the mill at Powell River. That's great, thought Timmy. That means we'll be sailing at night. I like sailing at night. When it's good weather, I could see all the stars and sometimes the glowing moon. All this time, Matilda had been prowling around Timmy's decks. 
Before each journey, she liked to make sure everything was in order. Soon, Frank, Captain Jones' mate, arrived with two deckhands, John and Derek. Frank gave his kit back to John to put in the cabin for him. Followed by Matilda, he climbed up into the wheelhouse, where Mr. Jones was about to start Timmy's engine. Timmy felt a lovely, lovely tingling feeling inside of him as his electrics were turned on. Then his big, powerful engine roared into life. That's much more better, he thought. Now I can get warm, and I'll be ready to go. He heard a crackling noise coming from the wheelhouse. Captain Jones was turning on the radio to get the weather report. Sounds like good weather all the way, Captain Frank said. Captain Frank said. He laid out the charts on the chart table at the back of the wheelhouse. That's good. Let's get underway then, said Captain Jones as he went and stood behind the shiny wooden wheel. John and Derek untied Timmy's ropes. Before long, he was chugging slowly under Burrard Bridge and out into English Bay. Once they had passed the planetarium, Captain Jones put Timmy's engine at full speed ahead. He set him on course for Point Atkinson Light, which was flashing in the distance. Timmy loved how going fa- Timmy loved going fast because he could make a big frothy bow wave in front of him. There's no better place in the world to be than to be a tug. He shouted excitedly. He sped along between the huge ships anchored out in the bay. But suddenly he saw lots of big sailboats coming straight for him. They had huge colored sails and were moving very fast. Closer and closer and closer they came. Oh no, thought Timmy. We're in the middle of the sailing race. They might hit us. Matilda was crouching on the foredeck. She let out a long, loud meow and put a paw over her head as one of the boats sped past very close to them. Captain Jones saw what was happening. He steered Timmy carefully between the two enormous ships and out of the way of the racing sailboats. Jumping jellyfish, ex- exclaimed Timmy. That was scary. Captain Jones laughed. Always try to keep out of their way whenever we can, he said, and took a, a swig of tea from behind his big china mug. Matilda looked up slowly and whispered to Timmy, I wasn't really frightened, you know, but Frank gave her a saucer of tea to calm down her nerves anyway. So, there you are, shouted Simon as he launched himself from the top of the point at Kinson Lighthouse. I thought you'd gone back to sleep. Did you have a good breakfast, Timmy asked, as Simon flew alongside him. Yes, thanks. I had a crab and six oysters. Delicious. Good morning, Matilda, Simon continued. Matilda licked her lips hungrily when she heard Simon say this, but she didn't say hello to him. 
she just shut her eyes and flicked her tail. Matilda always pretended not to like Simon, but she was quite fond of him, really. Captain Jones poked his head out of the window and called, Good morning, Simon. We're on our way to Center Bay on Gambier Island to pick up a log boom. Coming with us? That'd be great, replied Simon. He flew down and settled on the top of Timmy's short mast. They, they sped on into Queen Charlotte Channel. As they passed White Cliff Point, Simon leaped into the air and shouted excitedly, Look, Timmy, there's the Nanamio Ferry coming out of the Horseshoe Bay. Oh, yes, replied Timmy, and look at all your friends following it. I must go and see them, said Simon as he flapped his big wings. My granny's going to Nanamino today as to see my aunt because she's getting old. She always follows the ferry. Then she can have a ride while she gets tired. I'll be back soon. Simon flew off and Timmy watched as he disappeared among the other seagulls. There he goes again, Timmy thought to himself. He never sits still. Even when he isn't flying off somewhere, he's always hopping from one leg to the other and making funny goal noises. And he's always eating. Still, he is a good friend. Timmy smiled to himself. Matilda stretched, yawned, and put her hand between her, her head between her paws. Then turned left round Hood Point and headed for Gambier Island. It wasn't long till Simon was back. Granny's fine, he said. As I got there, she was eating a hamburger bun that a child had given to her. Then she settled herself on one of the life rafts. Simon chuckled and landed on Timmy's bow. It's all right for someone, for some people, muttered Matilda. If I went on a ferry, I'd have to stay on the car deck. Cheer up, Matilda, say, said Timmy. Not many cats get the chance to travel in luxury on a tug. John and Derek came out of the galley. They went back to the aft deck to get the towing line ready and check the big green winch. Frank went into the storeroom. He brought out the lanterns and metal spikes that would hold on to the log boom. And so Simon and Matilda standing proudly on the bow. Timmy entered Center Bay. Captain Jones brought him slowly up to the log boom, which was laying along the east shore. It was a very long and made up of hundreds of logs. They were held together like a giant big raft. Timmy was glad he had his big rubber tires all around his sides to protect him as he nudged gently against it. When they had stopped, Derek and John jumped onto the log boom. They hammered a mellow a metal yellow a metal lantern spike into the large log which lay across the front of the boom as Frank handled them with a lantern. Matilda jumped onto the log. She wanted to chase some seagulls and crows that were sitting there, but Simon squawked loudly to warn the birds, and they all flew away. Matilda turned around and frowned at Simon. Spoil sport, sport bird brain, she growled. 
as she jumped back onto Timmy's deck, flicking her tail crossly, and she stalked off and sat on the cabin roof and sulked. Captain Jones took Timmy all the way down to the other end of the log boom. Frank fixed another lantern on the last log. There you are, Timmy, he said as he steamed the back hitch to the tow line to the front of the boom. Now the other boats can see where your tow is when it's dark. It wasn't long before everything was ready. Simon flew up in the air, called, Clear the way, here comes Timmy, the tug with the log boom. Timmy heaved and strained. With his back, big propeller churning the water behind him, he moved very, very slowly out of center bay. Well done, Timmy, shouted Captain Jones above the roar of the engine. He's a tough little tug, said Frank. It's a bit difficult to get going, panted Timmy, but once we're underway, it's much easier. As soon as they were out of the bay, Captain Jones told John to let out a long tow line. Now, Timmy settled to the journey ahead of him. He liked pulling log booms. He could spend his time watching everything that was going on around him as he chugged slowly along. Timmy streamed down Barfloor Passage as he passed the end of Keats Island. Simon flopped onto his deck. Where have you been? asked Timmy. Sally the seal invited me to lunch at her home on Anvil Island. Sally was very jolly, a bouncy seal who loved parties. Almost every day she had her friends come her come over for lunch or dinner. Simon strained out his feathers as he settled down into a coil of rope on Timmy's foredeck. I think I've eaten too much, he moaned. I'm going to have to sleep. Then he saw a cat lying nearby. Don't you pounce on me while I'm asleep, Matilda, he said. Really, Simon? I couldn't be bothered, said Matilda. She got up and stretched and patted off to see what else was going on. She found Frank polishing the brass rail that runs along the side of the cabins. You're always working, she purred as she rubbed against his legs. We have to keep Timmy looking smart, replied Frank, bending down and stroking Matilda. In fact, he's known as the smartest tug of the West Coast. When he had finished his polishing, Frank said to Matilda, it's time for me to go and have a rest. I have to take it over the helm from the captain as soon as it gets dark. Matilda sneaked into the cabin behind him. She felt like having a nap, too. With no one to talk to, Timmy sang to himself all afternoon as he chugged along. He passed several little boats, finishing off Gower Point, and another tug came past him, pulling a barge full of wood ships. Later, the sun sank towards the mountains on Vancouver Island. It was time for Captain Jones to turn on Timmy's navigation lights. Frank and Matilda got up after their rest. Frank went into the wheelhouse to talk to Captain Jones. Matilda thought she could hear supper being prepared. She went into the galley where John was busy making some soup. She jumped up onto his shoulder and sat there staring hopefully into the pot and peering and purring 
loudly. By now, Timmy was approaching White Islets. Suddenly, they heard a lot of seagulls shouting and cheering. What's going on over there? asked Captain Jones, looking out of the wheelhouse window. I'll go and have a look, called Simon, who had been woken up by the noise. All I can see is a lot of splashing in the water and lots of Simon's friends jumping up and down on a big white rock, said Timmy, looking over to the right. Just then, Wally the, Wally the killer whale surfaced behind Timmy. He squirted a big fountain of, of water high into the air. Hello, Timmy, he said. Come to see my swimming team? So that was it. Wally was training his team of whales for a swimming match, and the seagulls were having great fun cheering them on. Round and round the island, the whales swam, with Wally shouting advice and encouragement. Matilda joined Frank and Captain Jones in the whale house. Don and Derek came out onto the deck. They laughed and cheered as Timmy steamed, slow, steamed slowly past. Soon it was getting dark. As the light on the island began to flash, the whales and the seagulls off for home. Simon flew back to join Timmy, where they had said goodnight to each other. Simon went to his favorite place to sleep. This was on the log boom beside one of the lanterns. There he could keep warm as Timmy pulled him along through the cold night. As stars twinkled above, Timmy could see the Merry Island lighthouse flashing in the distance ahead of him. He gave a big yawn and went happily to sleep, and Frank took, took over the helm for Mr. Jones. When Timmy woke up the next morning, he got a terrible fright. He thought someone had put up a wall of cotton wool in front of his eyes. Oh no, he cried. It's a fog, a great sick fog. Now what are we going to do? Captain Jones came out of the cabin and climbed up into the wheelhouse. This is no good, Frank, he said. We're, here we are in the narrowest part of Mount Spina Strait, and I can only see Timmy's bells. You'd better keep sounding the horn in case there's other boats around. Okay, Captain, said Frank, and he pulled a small lever, and Timmy, and Timmy get, gave a loud toot. We must keep going. We've got to get the boom to the mill this afternoon. The men are waiting for us, waiting for it. Captain Jones opened the window and was about to peer out when Simon stuck his head in. Good morning, Captain. It's a nasty fog, isn't it? But don't worry, I can help you through. The fog is thick down here, but it doesn't go up very high. I can fly above it and tell you where you are. I just had a look, and I could see tall tank above Stillwater Bay. I'll go and get some of my friends to help. With that, Simon flew off to Hardy Island. He knew he would find lots of friends having breakfast there. In minutes, he was back, seeing the tank on the shore. He led his friends down through the fog, and they all settled around the edges of the lagoon. Simon went and stood on Timmy's bows. He called the, to the gulls to take it in turns, in turns flying up to have 
a look around and then tell him which way to go. Matilda didn't like all this excitement. She jumped up into the wheelhouse and sat next to Captain Jones. She tried to drink out of his mug of tea while he wasn't looking. Don't worry, Timmy. We'll get you through the fog safely, Simon said as he patted Timmy with his wing. Thank you, Simon. I'm glad you can help. It's very frightening not being able to see where we're going. So with the seagulls popping up and down from the log boom and Simon called directions to Captain Jones, Timmy was able to keep going as fast as he could through the fog. They had just turned the right on Grief Point when the fog lifted and the sun came out. Timmy was very happy to see properly again. All the seagulls jumped up and down and cheered and clapped. Simon thanked them all for all their hard work and told them they could go home now, but they decided to stay for the rest of the journey. It was fun riding on the log boom. Soon they were approaching the big pulp mill. It was its tallest chimneys were puffing out clouds of white smoke high above the Powell River. We're almost there, said Captain Jones. Yes, thanks to Simon and his friends, said Frank. And a very fine tug, said Simon, and he winked at Timmy. And what about me, muttered Matilda, twitching her tail. Derek laughed and says, come on, you silly cat. Don't sulk. I'll get you a saucer of milk. Timmy watched the little... Timmy watched the little tug coming out from the middle of helping to put the log boom in the booming ground. Suddenly, he heard the radio crackle. A voice was telling Captain Jones that he and Timmy were needed next at Cropton Mill on Vancouver Island. They were to tow a barge full of machinery back to Vancouver, but that's another story. The end. Thank you for listening to Mr. Carlson's class in the Most Amazing Books Podcast.